Are you looking for a unique way to leverage Instagram and cut through the noise there? Well, I have something very special and something very unique that we're going to talk about today, all about Instagram marketing, but looking at it in a way that I guarantee you've never looked at it before on this next episode of the Your Digital Marketing Coach Podcast. Digital, social media, content influencer, marketing, blogging, podcasting, vlogging, TikToking, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, SEO, SEM, PPC, email marketing. Whew. There's a lot to cover. Whether you're a marketing professional, entrepreneur, or business owner, you need someone you can rely on for expert advice. Good thing you've got Neil on your side. Because Neil Schaefer is your, your digital, digital marketing, marketing coach. coach. Helping you grow your business with digital-first marketing, one episode at a time. This is your digital marketing coach, and this is Neil Schaefer. Hey friends, welcome to episode 259 of the Your Digital Marketing Coach podcast. This is your digital marketing coach, Neil Schaefer. How the heck are you doing? So I love doing guest interviews and mixing them up with my own solo episodes, and I love interviewing people that I've known for a while in social media, but we've never had a chance to virtually meet in real life. And what I mean by virtually meet is obviously in this new reality post-COVID just to have even a Zoom conversation. So you're going to hear an interview between Terry Nakamura and myself. Now, Terry, as you're going to hear, we've known each other on social media for probably close to a decade. And all of a sudden, she reached out to me some time ago saying, Neil, what do you think about Instagram for blogging? And to be honest with you, it didn't click. Now, you may listen to this interview. It might not completely click, but I believe when you hear Terry out and you listen to the end of our conversation, you're going to have an aha moment about how you can better leverage Instagram to truly communicate, truly build relationships, yield engagement, and have impact on a platform that many of us sort of take for granted or see in a very, very different way. So you know what? That's enough from me. I want you to hear from Terry. So without further ado, here's my interview with Terry Nakamura. You're listening to your digital marketing coach. This is Neil Schaefer. Terry Nakamura, I am so excited to have you on the Your Digital Marketing Coach podcast. Welcome. I'm honored to be here. Thank you for inviting me. So some of you may know Terry, some of you may not know Terry, but Terry, this is actually the first time we're seeing each other in person and we have known each other. I want to say it is Empire Avenue <gasps> that brought us together. And I, what? I, I, I is- waited for this conversation to be able to say that. That is insane. That's like, what, 10 or 12 years ago or something? I don't think, you know, maybe seven, eight, but yeah, several, but you were on. 2009, I think. Now, for those of you that don't know, it's really interesting because we talk about NFTs and maybe influencers. Joe Polizzi is big on influencers creating their own NFTs. And I think Empire Avenue was a stock market, a virtual stock market where influencers had different prices of their virtual stock based on their social media activity. It sort of is like, 
NFT-ish like before the NFT? You know, that's such an interesting correlation. I mean, you're right. And it was maybe a little ahead of its time. And, and it did try to dabble in Bitcoin, you know, kind of its own Bitcoin currency briefly. Yep. But I actually got out of it quite a few years ago. Oh, me too. So, me too. Yeah. And, and but but from that, but from that we've been able to continue our our conversations primarily. That is wild, Neil. <laughs> so Terry, so I thought you were some I mean, I'm a social media marketer. So I joined these things and and you know, it was the days of clout. We were all excited and we want to increase oh, our yeah. influence. And so yep. but but you are not the same. Um social media marketing is not your gig. Yep. So let's start with why on earth, what brought you to Empire Avenue. And then we're going to obviously fast forward to your new book on Instagram. You know, it, it was kind of, um, I have, I was really good friends with um, Reg Sadler. I don't know if you know him or not. I do know Reg. He's in Minneapolis, yeah. right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. So Reg and I um, kind of jumped in around the same time and became really good buddies on that. You were flight. friends offline with him? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Wow. Okay. But I mean, I've known him on Twitter since 2008 or something like that, or whenever I started on Twitter, it was a really long time ago. Wow. Okay. So he got you into it. He, yeah, we, we both kind of found it at the same time and I'm not really sure how that happened, but maybe it was Chris Perillo or somebody like that. Cause Chris was really majorly into that. Yep. Big time, you know, so it was, it was super fun. I was obsessed. I get obsessed about every new thing that comes along, which is maybe why I've never gotten involved with TikTok. Cause I, I don't, I feel like it's such a time suck and yeah. I, I've got plenty of those already, you know? So yeah. I got 99 problems, but TikTok ain't one. That's for sure. Yeah. So yeah. how did you know, I don't even know what Reg does for a living because if you look at his social media, it's just, he publishes a lot of content. His stock was really high in Empire Avenue, I remember. But um, is is he, I know now that obviously you're you're a, a designer, graphic designer. I mean, you can go into more detail about that. But is that how you met Reg? We met on Twitter. We were okay. just Twitter friends. I mean, originally we met on Twitter, and I was really a late night Twitter junkie. So I would be on late at night, and so I had a lot of friends all over the world because in America, people, sane people, are asleep at that time of the night. But, you know, all the vampire people like Reg and myself and others, you know, we kind of had like a late night posse, you know, so. Now, what is it that you do for a living then outside of the book, which we're going to talk about? So primarily I'm a graphic designer Okay. and I design websites and um, print collateral. I still do a lot of print collateral, like, you know, people who need actual things, you know, that they, they hand out or, or use to distribute them. Um, I haven't haven't done a print annual report for a while, but I used to do a lot of annual reports. I remember those. Like those. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, those were awesome projects, you know, because they were, you know, remunerative. So, um, but yeah, it's it's changed a lot. And I, most of the content I create now is digital. And, um, and I'm also doing consulting, you know, like helping people with their social media, but not in the same way that you or, you know, all of the you know, hotshot people that really understand this. It's more like helping them develop um, content strategies for whatever they're doing and then kind of setting it up for them to take over on their own, you know? So, you know, it's, it's kind of like uh, more of an initial guidance, I guess, because a lot of people don't know anything about any of it. I hear you. So did your presence on social media then attract new customers to your graphic 
design or no. was social the social media, media was a social personal media thing? Has, I've always said, I mean, I, I like having the awareness of people knowing that I'm a graphic designer, but it really hasn't for me been a channel to develop business. And I, and I've often said, I don't know that I would want to get customers off of social media because I'm more um, word of mouth in terms of the people that I work for, you know, they recommend me to other people. And I like having that kind of connection and understanding of, of their, you know, validity and, and honesty and stuff like that. And social media, it's kind of hard to tell really, you know, who you're dealing with sometimes. Yeah. Oh, I, I agree. That's sort of one of the reasons why I was on and then I was off Clubhouse. I don't know if that's one thing. Yeah. I, another I, I, had a, I had a brief love affair with Clubhouse as well. So, yeah. And then these people started saying things. It's like, why you don't have a LinkedIn profile? You you say all these things and it sounded like a lot of snake oil, which is what we thought about a lot of people in social media and, yeah, and sometimes totally. do as well, right? Absolutely. And, and I think that that's... <laughs> It's part of the, the landscape. You know, when you think about social media, it's like the, the dog behind the computer, you know, like on the internet, nobody knows you're a dog kind of a thing. You, you really can't tell. So fast forward, and we've known each other on Instagram, and I know you have a Japanese last name, but don't actually speak Japanese. So you've, you've taught no. me that. Learn that you're a graphic designer, what have you. And then one day, I want to say like two years ago, maybe it might have been a year and a half. You're like, Neil, what do you think about Instagram as a blogging platform? Now, Tara, right. have you ever, did you ever set up a blog? And you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to tell you something I've never told anybody because Empire Avenue, right? A lot of people set up social media accounts so yeah. they could increase their, uh, their, you know, their post frequency, their stock value. Yeah. get their stock value, right? I actually started in a Tumblr channel, a Tumblr blog that was completely automated from I used like Yahoo Pipes or set up some RSS feed. I actually got banned for life. What? <laughs> <from Tumblr. laughs> because they said it was. I've never told anyone because they said it was completely automated. Now and you're it, only telling millions of people. <laughs> well, you know, good riddance. I've never gotten on Tumblr. It's like okay, I, I get it right. I'm bad. Slap my wrist, and and so yeah. therefore I've never consulted. Thankfully, Tumblr did not become the next Instagram. Um, yeah. But yeah. I'm I'm just curious. Did you ever? So before we get into Instagram for blogging, obviously, what your book is about. Did you ever have a blog yourself? Oh yeah, I, I started blogging in 2005. Oh, okay. I, I've had three different blogs, uh, and they're on kind of life support right now. Because not related to Empire Avenue, then just. Like no, legit blogs. They, I mean, long before Empire Avenue ever okay. existed, I, I was blogging. So, um, but I, and I, I did um, start a Tumblr blog and I just did like an automatic feed from, you know, other things. But you didn't get banned. Onto my, onto my Tumblr, you know, so I think Instagram, yeah, Instagram has an automatic ability to just share over your Instagram to Tumblr. And so that's what I've been doing basically. Gotcha. And so you're blogging there for more lifestyle. All of this is just completely separate. I mean, the way social media used to be and blogging used to be, it's just completely separate from what you do for a living. Yeah. For me, it was just because I really liked writing. So I wanted to just have a place to put my writing and it was pretty random. And I had a lot of experts say, Terry, you need to drill down into the segment that, you know, you should specialize in in order to develop an audience. But I actually didn't care about that so much. I was just really interested in writing and having some people engage with it. But, you know, to be honest, um, it, it, there were times when I would get, you know, like 40, 50 comments on a blog post, but I had to work at it. 
You know, I really had to say, you know, like send out to my my best peeps, hey, I have a new post up. And then they would go check it out and leave comments. But I just, you know, I don't want to do that. And that is the pivot to why I started blogging on Instagram. Because now, before you started blogging, was it before or after where you, you mentioned that you also started taking some courses in digital marketing? Oh, yeah. I went back to college for two years and got a, an AA in digital marketing. That's awesome. Because I, you know, I've been using social media for a decade. I had no idea what was going on behind the curtains, you know? Sure. And it, for me, it was just kind of a fun activity. And I, I really studied it a lot, did a lot of reading and everything. But I didn't really, I didn't know anything about <laughs> the data behind any of that stuff and that it was important, you know, uh, it was kind of, it was definitely eye-opening for me to, to learn all of those things. And I had to, had to learn how to, to do um, Google ads and Facebook ads and stuff. I will never do that like in my, for myself or for anybody your else. DNA. <laughs> but I had to, I had to learn about you know, all of that, all that stuff. And it was really, it was really great. And so now I feel like I'm more informed about the way that, that I try to help other people because it was pretty superficial before, you know, when I would try to help people with whatever they were doing on Twitter or Instagram or whatever. Um, but now I have a, a better understanding of it and, um, you know, just like proportions of content, what kinds of content to share and, how much of it, like some people just want to like me, 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 you know, broadcast about themselves all the time. And, um, and I know that that, that uh, formula has changed somewhat over the years, but, but I think um, some people just feel like social media is there to be an advertising platform and, and they don't deliver any value. And that's why that Joe Polisi book that I had to read in one of my classes was really enlightening because, um, you know, understanding the value and the education and the other things that you deliver to your audience, those are the things that, you know, kind of draw them to you. And, you know, and, and blogging is the same way. It's just that blogging was too much work, you know, for me to, to try to cultivate that kind of um, back and forth. Right. So with this, with your experience blogging, and social media, and now your AA and digital marketing, you decide that you're going to write a book. Now, I we hadn't talked about this beforehand, but I'm assuming based on the conversation, the book is once again, it's almost like an extension of your blog. You just want to try to help people. There's no, I mean, if it sells a lot, awesome, but it's really, you just yeah, want to I share your perspective. I just the world. really wanted to write the book because Neil, I really felt like I stumbled on a secret when I was, uh, you know, like just to backpedal a bit, I was having problems with my job. And it was like at the point where I was kind of going through this personal angst and I started writing a bit more on Instagram, then I, I noticed that people were like interacting with me a whole lot more. And then the longer, you know, longer the post was, the more kinds of engagement I was getting. And, and I just went, wow, this is a strange correlation. Like I would not have imagined that. And so once I realized what was happening, I, I just wanted to tell other people about it because it was such a cool way to be able to to dip your toe in the blogging water, so to speak, and and then and get gratification from it, you know, because sometimes you publish a blog post and no one looks at it, you know, but you have your instant audience there on Instagram. So chances are if you publish something, a blog post, you're going to get some feedback. Some of 
some of the comments will just be hearts and stuff like that. Right. But a lot of people really think about it. And, you know, if you form your post the same way you would do a normal blog post where you like ask a question or, you know, you know, kind of invite them to engage, they're they're all over it, you know. And and so I wanted to write a book about how to do that. So you you wrote the book. Um, did you work with a publisher or self-publisher? I, I worked with a publisher. It's a hybrid publisher, New Degree Press. Uh-huh. And, um, and at the very beginning, I mean, you were one of the people that I turned to in the beginning because I wanted to do some research about it. And you were so nice to to talk to me. I know in a, in a way it was kind of like I felt like, you know, you were patting me in the head like, you know, Yes, Terry, sure. <laughs> and you were you couldn't have been nicer. Oh, thank it you. Was, it was not totally discouraging, but you know, you were setting the reality for me of the way the way things really work. But um, but I just decided I I had to push on because I felt inside that it that it really was effective. So, you know, I just went through with it. Well, I hope I was encouraging. I mean, yeah, there is a reality, but I encourage everybody. Everybody has a great book they should write. And um, obviously, it's a great book, but it is a book. A great book. And and there for everyone listening, please write your book. It's funny. um, I usually send people, it might have been before I had this video up, but I published The Age of Influence after running a campaign on a platform called Publishizer. And I I wanted to ask you about that. Yeah. And I normally forward people to a video when people ask me about a book. If I know you, I'm going to give you more answers. If I don't know you, I'm going to go just watch this video I did with with one of the founders of Publicizer. Um, right. And that gives you all that. What did you want to ask me about Publicizer though? Because I'm working on my next book now. I was just really curious about it because it was, uh, if I understand it correctly, it is not a traditional publishing platform. It's not like going to, um, you know, one of the the normal, you know, publishers of books. It's Is it kind of a hybrid? Well, let me ask you, how did you find your publisher? I found it because a, a professor from Georgetown University, Eric Koster, contacted me on LinkedIn. And, and he said, I noticed that you like writing. Have you ever thought about writing a book? And I wow. said, yes. So um, so then wow. he, he had a course um, at Creator Institute, which is in Washington, D.C. And I signed up for this course and learned the basics of writing a book through this course. And then after I finished it and then I was, I, you know, I worked with a whole bunch of different editors and people that, that they have on staff. And then I went to the next phase, which was working with the publisher and all of their, you know, all their support people. So they, I really had a lot of, you know, people on my team holding my hand all the way through and teaching me things because there's no way I could have done it. I mean, my book launched like number one in 10 categories on Amazon the first month, you know, That's and awesome. that was all because of them, you know, because of the kind of guidance I got from them. So, so they were sponsors of this creator Academy then. And that's how that connection was made. Well, I think creator Institute is, is like, is a thing that grew out of Eric's course at Georgetown. He teaches the same course at Georgetown. Okay. But he recognized that he wanted to reach a lot more people. So he started Creator Institute is the way I understand it. And I don't know if he he founded New Degree Press or if it was an outgrowth of it, but together they they offer pretty much a full spectrum of services to people. The only difference is you don't get a you don't get a payment up front like with a traditional publisher. I don't remember what that's called when they give you a big chunk of money and then you have to sell books against it. It's you own, uh, you know, hundred percent of your content. 
So like if I decided I wanted to do an uh, um, audio book, I could just record that on my own and they would get no part of it whatsoever. Right, right. So, you know, I I was wondering if publisher is the same way, publicized size is the same way. So you knew Eric just from social media before he reached out to you then? Actually, I didn't know him at all. It was, a, it was a cold email. He might have been using a LinkedIn automation tool to. Right. Well, it was too. It was too personalized to seem automated. Okay. And so, but once we started talking, I just thought it was really strange that he asked me if I'd been considering writing a book because it was really at that moment that I was going through that experience with Instagram and decided, God, I really should share this with people so they can do it because it's so easy. It's easier. It's easier than doing a blog. I I don't discourage people from blogging. I think blogging is really important for all the other reasons, some of which you shared with me, you know, during our our conversation. But I felt like, um, but for someone who's just dabbling in it, they don't want to go to the expense of setting up a site and being responsible for all that stuff, you know, and, and I realize it's rented space. I learned that from you, rented versus owned. And, um, you know, I felt like, um, but it's okay, because if you're just starting out, you can kind of get a feeling for it and make, you know, do whatever you want. Like, if if you don't like the post or the performance of it, you can remove it just like anywhere else. But, you know, it's, I think it's a really great place to experiment with people who want to write and have an audience, you know, and and engage with the audience. So it's so funny how these random connections... And I mean, just like our meeting today is somewhat of this, this randomness that brought us together because, you know, I've written four books. My first two were self-published, never dreamed of working with a publisher. And it was my third book where I had, I'd written my first two books about LinkedIn. And my second book was more of like a B2B sales, social media marketing book. When an author of sales books reached out to me and said, Neil, I would love to feature your book as a recommended resource in my book. Are you okay with that? I mean, of course I'm going to be okay with that. So we had a phone conversation. He wanted to get to know more about me. And he goes, by the way, I published with Wiley, who do the Four Dummies books. Would you like an introduction? Literally a week later, I had a signed deal with Wiley. And that ended up being my Wow, that is so amazing and cool. Fast forward, fast forward to using Publishizer. So Publishizer is a Kickstarter. Uh-huh. So let's say, Terry, when you want to write your next book, you want to already get pre-orders for it. You would start a campaign on Kickstarter on Publishizer, excuse me. And then you send people the link and they can actually buy your book, even if you haven't started writing it yet. Oh, so you can actually use it to like A-B test ideas. And so I had this idea for a book on influencer marketing and I'm going to test it, right? I hadn't started writing it. I think I said I was 25% done with it because I had some blog posts. But anyway, I put it up there. And what happens is because it's a Kickstarter for authors, there's all sorts of publishers that are monitoring the campaigns. Oh, interesting. There's traditional publishers, there's hybrid publishers, there's people that will help you get self-published, there's editors, there's book designers, if that's something you wanted to go into. That And so they look at how many pre-orders you get, right? Mm-hmm. And you want to get 500. I was able to get 500, so I got a lot of visibility. Wow, and, that's great. And the, the funny thing is, I was literally negotiating with a Dutch publisher who promised me if I went to Amsterdam, this is before COVID, I could do, you know, I could do speaking events there. And he said there was this huge, like Amazon for some reason was not active in the Netherlands. So he said that they've had Dutch business books that have sold like 50, 60, 70,000 copies in Dutch, right? Holy mackerel. That's another thing I wanted to ask you about because I know your books have been translated. I'm like, whoa, 
how how did you go about doing that? You know, right. All right. So I'm, I'm going to get to that. Right. This is okay. going roundabout. But but literally we were already in negotiations. And sorry, my wife is asking me about my son's high school counselor's <laughs> appointment. I'll get to her later. Um, but literally at that time, I started to do webinars about the book because I wanted to sell more pre-orders. Right. And one guy who, you know, I, I wrote on LinkedIn, introduced the webinar. He goes, Neil, that was such an awesome webinar. Have you considered a publisher for your next book? I'm like, well, you know, tell me more about what you think. He was actually marketing manager at HarperCollins Leadership, who ended up becoming my publisher for The Age of Influence through that introduction. So none uh -oh. of, I never worked with an agent. It all happened through these random sort of connections. That but is incredible. But publish us, I recommend everybody because it gets visibility, right? right. It, it, right. it allows you to get pre-orders, get visibility, test ideas. And I'm currently working on my fifth book. I... I wish I was further along, but I will be using Publishizer again. And HarperCollins leadership, as most publishers, because it's traditional, they have the right of refusal. So if they say, Neil, we want to work with you again, I'll work with them. But it doesn't stop me from getting pre-orders, right? So is, is the the value of the publisher, the distribution channels, like, you know, getting your book into bookstores and stuff like that? Yes. The promotion's the same. They're not going to do any promotion for you. Yeah. I mean... Unless, you know, John Lee Dumas, Entrepreneurs on Fire, big podcaster, he signed with HarperCollins Leadership. And, you know, I, I think that if you're someone that has this huge platform, like a Pat Flynn or, or, or what have you, they probably have a limited marketing budget because traditional publishers aren't doing as well as they used to with the internet right. and Amazon. But they do strategically invest in certain authors like the Gary Vaynerchuks, right? Who's also on HarperCollins. So, um, but, you know, lowly, little old Neil Schaefer, I'm not going to get much help. And this is the same. Most authors I know who work with traditional publishers, they're surprised, but you got to do the promotions yourself. What they give you though is... You're not paying for graphic design. You're not paying for editing. You're not paying for, you have this whole infrastructure you're able to use. They were, you know, originally the book was called The Business of Influence. And they actually tested out a few different ideas with their booksellers who knew uh -huh. the market really well. So I'm getting a little bit of intel, right, from them. Right. Um, and then obviously the distribution, the worldwide distribution, which includes the selling of foreign language rights, which Wiley, I never got anywhere with Maximize Your Social, but mm. with the age of influence, HarperCollins leadership has been successful, you know, Mandarin Chinese, Vietnamese, um, Bulgarian, and Arabic. Amazing that you've been able to do that. It's Yeah, and it, it's purely them, right? And from my perspective, it's like, I just want as many people to, to read this as possible. It's not, you don't make money off the book. You make money off people who read the book who reach out and want to hire you, right? So, um, so yeah, that was my my whole thing. And yes, if you know, if I would do it again, I enjoy partnerships. I enjoy when the other side has skin in the game, and I enjoy if, if I have the opportunity to work with a traditional publisher for my next book, I will. But if not, you know, the promotion's the same. It doesn't really change the way I operate. Although I might have to hire like an editor and you know, a graphic designer, what have you. The route that I took, they did have a staff of graphic designers and production people and editors and proofreaders and, and all that stuff. But that said, I don't think there's ever been anything published that came out without any mistakes in it, right? Sure, sure. And um, so, you know, after my book was printed and I read it, I was like, oh, this this pains me so much that I said said this in that way, etc. So I came out with a, a hardbound version 
after the fact, which is kind of ass backward if you think about it, right? Because usually the hardbound comes up first. Yeah. I did a hardbound version with an afterword because so many things about Instagram had changed since I published it that I wanted to write an afterword to address some of those things. And that, I think, gave me kind of a this this feeling like I was actually a legitimate author, you know, and I don't think I could have done it without having that team of people who were there to support me, you know, helping me with my book jacket and helping me go in and make all the the edits on the text and, and stuff like that. And that's why the hybrid publishing model compared to the the self-publishing where I had to hire anyone and everyone for everything I did. That's where the hybrid publisher, you do pay up front where you get, you know, copies of your book, but if you're going to do it on your own, you got to pay anyway, right? So why not work with a professional team? So I, I think that's great. And that's definitely a possibility for my next book of working with a hybrid publisher as well. Who knows? So really interesting. And then you, you write this book about Instagram for blogging. So when you first contacted me, I'm like, you know, you have like your blog, your content marketing, you got social media. But over time, Terry, what I've noticed is, you know, TikTok has really emerged with this, but TikTok, you just have one link, right? But that link can actually drive a business, which does for a lot of influencers. And you could say the same about Instagram. It is like a little website with one link and there's like tools you can use. But at the end of the day, you're trying to drive awareness. And what I've noticed, very, very interesting, is I use a tool called Tailwind to manage my Pinterest. I don't know if you, I assume you're on Pinterest, right? Sort of. I mean, I've had an account there since it was in beta, but do I use it? Not really. Okay, so yeah. So Pinterest, I use a tool called Tailwind to help manage it. And Tailwind has something called Tailwind Communities where people share content that they want the other people to share on their board. So it's sort of like this community of people who share a lot of content. And I've noticed that some of the people who share pins, normally a pin is an image that would go back to a website. But I notice more and more people have pins that go to Instagram posts. Oh, that's interesting. Where they're basically using Instagram like a blog. And it's maybe a carousel post with 10 different images and they're explaining something. And then it it makes sense because you're on Instagram. Uh, you hopefully get engagement, which helps with the algorithm. And then you have a website link that can take them. That So it can become your main marketing channel, even though it's not a true blog. Is it like some kind of um, a subscription or dashboard or what is it? What is it? So Tailwind is a scheduling tool. Okay. Or Pinterest, but they also do Instagram. Uh, they also do Facebook now. They have a link in bio tool as well. And they, they are so predominant in the Pinterest marketing community that yeah. they have so many users that are very active on Pinterest that they created a new functionality called communities, which I believe it might be free. I have an invite link, which I'll send you, but I'll also put in the show notes, um, which, which allows people to join what they call communities, used to call tribes, but they, they stopped that language, um, and and share <laughs> content. and. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so yeah. And, and you can find there's literally hundreds of communities, if not thousands. And, you know, you, you might have like mommy bloggers that talk about, you know, child you rearing. Feel like how much time does it take to invest in like laying the groundwork for something like that? Do you know what I mean? Like every time you expand into something new, there's an investment attached to it. So is yes. the juice worth the squeeze? Do you think? So here's my take. First of all, I am a marketer, so I do this for a living. So part of this is 
R&D, right, of upping my game. Like, you may try a new digital graphic design tool for the same reason. So my situation is a little bit different. I will say that if you are a B2C company that is targeting a female demographic, that Pinterest is a very, very good social network to be at. If you have a visual way of representing what you do or you have a a visual product or service, it's even better for that platform. So Mm -hmm. you can't be everywhere. You don't need to be everywhere. But I was just just published a blog post of these like 55 top social media marketing stats. And a majority of Americans are on more than one social network, right? Oh, yeah. 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 That's what I was saying. So, you know, for me, with Pinterest and with Tailwind, who are an approved Pinterest partner, I can automate this. Oh, that's very cool. And I have a staff that I use. I don't do all this myself. And I have created my own system of hiring around the world, very, very talented people that help an hour here, an hour there that allow me to have this infrastructure in place where I can be in a lot of different places. So smart. I mean, I I just recommended to one of my clients that she hires a virtual assistant or a couple of them to manage different parts of what we're trying to do. And yep. I, I just feel like um, you have to prioritize, you know, where your time is going to be the most valuable, right? Totally. Absolutely. Amen to that. So so that's where it's like, huh, maybe Terry is making a lot of sense with Instagram for blogging. Now, I know you face it. You, you have a different perspective on it. But tell me, as you decided to write the book and as you started to see you know, engagement from your own blogging there, what, how, how did this sort of evolve in, in, into finishing the book? One thing, it's forced me to, to continue on Instagram, right? Because life gets really busy and sometimes it gets difficult for me. I, I only post once a week, which is kind of like unheard of because most people try to post daily or multiple times a day. Yep. If I can just get one post up a week, that that's enough to sustain my interest and also kind of reinforce what I'm talking about in the book. You know, if somebody buys the book and they go, then it's fairly current, you know, whatever they see on my, my Instagram. Mm-hmm. But I'm sorry, could you rephrase that question again? So you began with this idea of a book where you were sharing your own thoughts and you found people engaging with it. Right. How did, how did sort of that thought evolve into a full-blown book? It was because I was also a blogger and I knew how hard I had to work to get feedback on my blog posts. You know, and you put a lot of work into a blog post, you know, like I just did a guest post for somebody and I spent 12 hours on it. And I, you know, I was doing research and writing and collecting graphics and, and embedding hyperlinks and doing all that work for her, right? Keywords and whatnot. Um, it takes a lot of time where you really can't do a lot of those things on Instagram, but you do have the opportunity to post, um, you know, multiple links now, which is, is helpful. It's not the same as a hyperlink, but it's pretty good. And I, I'm really uh, surprised sometimes that how many people go up to my my link in bio and check out different things that are on my multiple links, like what they check out and how often. And, and um, to me, that that feels at least as maybe more satisfying than it was on my my any of my blogs. I had three. I still have three active blogs that are, you know, not not put to sleep yet. And I may resurrect them and reinvent one of them um, to support my book pretty much exclusively or Instagram at least. But I just felt like 
The analytics aren't deep the way they are on a blog post. You can't use Google Analytics on, on Instagram, but right. you can collect other kinds of data that that will indicate whether or not you're on the right track with something and what kinds of things resonate, how many times you get onto the explore page and stuff like that. And that that's really important, I think, to kind of um, build an audience and awareness. So you get other benefits. And there is a search engine on, on Instagram, not like Google, but when you're on Instagram, you're not going to go to Google. <laughs> you're going to be on Instagram and search for right. what you're looking for on Instagram. So it's kind of like they're two completely different functions, you know, Google Google search versus Instagram search. Because when you're on that platform, you're, you're looking for certain things on the platform. You don't really care about what's happening on Google, you know, so... So for those that are listening that want to take advantage of Instagram as a blogging platform, would you say that your book or your advice is more applicable to maybe entrepreneurs, business owners, content creators that don't have a blog and they can sort of reinvent what they do on Instagram as a blog? Or do you see it for companies that have blogs, they should be once again reinventing how they use Instagram so that every piece of content they publish there is more like an extension of their blog or something different. I think it's both, Neil, because yeah. if, if you're a novice, I mean, it, there's nothing easier. But if you are someone who maintains um, a, a blog on a, like an owned blog or a company that has a blog, I've seen people excerpt parts of their blogs on mm -hmm. Instagram and then, in, and, and say, if you want to know more about this, there's a link in, my bio and usually multiple links, you know, to on the, on that thing. And so it's a way of kind of just giving people a taste of whatever it is that you're, you're writing about. And some things resonate with people and they're very curious and they'll, they'll pursue it. And so, you know, I've seen that happen on my own Instagram, you know, for, for various things. Like I, I was doing some research and I wanted to, to see, I wanted to collect um, opinions about certain things. So I, I created one of those survey monkey things, you know, uh -huh. and, and I was really amazed at how many people went to the link and did the survey. And so I really was able to collect a pretty random sample of, of information that I ended up using um, for a project. So those kinds of things can happen. You know, it's not, and it is random, really. I mean, it's random based on whoever your followers are. It's not like, worldwide randomness but you know i think most people who do random sampling you don't really i mean how how are those people ever really selected yeah and i think anyone that's ever done a reel that's gotten a few thousand views i have a video that has gotten the explorer page it got like you know ten thousand views in, in 24 hours phenomenal yeah you experience it had nothing to do with what i do for i was in japan and there was this something called roll ice cream where they they roll out this ice cream flat and it, it so I, I made this like three minute process into a one minute video which you know a lot of foodies loved uh, so it did nothing for my business didn't get many followers but but it it just reminds you that this is a huge market it is its own search engine it's but not Google. there's an awareness of people who had never heard of you before that's true and that's like you know tapping into people that would never know who you are, right? And True. and because of that, they do. So, I mean, there's a certain amount of value to that, I think. But but I think what you're talking about is also in, in a different way, a different approach to what I talk about, which is really make every piece of content that you publish count. 
care about the other person. You know, Anne Hanley, probably another author that you read in school, but yeah. you know, make every yes, actually <laughs> yeah, make make every email a love letter, right? Yes. Uh, when I went to Facebook headquarters, they said the same thing to to businesses that are complaining they don't get any reaching the algorithm. Did every post you make sound like a love letter to your fans, right? So you can imagine that if you treat social media, if you treat Instagram in that way, as you are putting the attention and creating a blog post and every post you you publish there, it can be really, really impactful because it really is a personal uh, platform and you can personally connect with people and engage with people in that way. So I can see how blogging on Instagram might even be more impactful because of that than just blogging digitally and, and hoping people find you on Google. I totally agree because the people that you are regularly interacting with on Instagram, they, they become friends. I mean, they become like real friends. And uh, an example is somebody in Russia who um, suddenly disappeared and then he came back, probably got a VPN or something, you know, I don't know, but to reconnect and to kind of know what they're going through and, he really was clueless about what the world was seeing of Russia until I said, please take a look at this. And he was like, holy mackerel. You know, I had no idea. I mean, he really did not have any idea how the world was viewing what was going on. So it's like you have these friendship people, you know, through it starts through commenting. Right. And it kind of develops into a much deeper, deeper level and I never really had that happen on my blog. I, I would get comments, you know, from strangers, but they never really gravitated to any other place, like, you know, like a personal conversation of any sort. So, yeah. And, and my big thing with Instagram is I'm a big fan of a Japanese musician named Yaida Hitomi. And through Instagram, I've been able to connect with some of her biggest fans, people that actually met at her concert and got married. So, you know, I got to the point where I was getting invited to her concerts and not only would I get like, you know, really, really good seats, even though I'm based in the United States, I don't live in Japan. They had these amazing after parties where, you know, these are people that have met the artist. They've been following her for, you know, 20 years. They go to all. So anyway, so I know how impactful Instagram can be in terms of developing relationships. I know it's really incredible. It's like that kind of stuff doesn't happen on Twitter. I mean. I've met hundreds of people from Twitter, like at conferences and stuff like that. But uh, it's a very different thing. Many of these people on Instagram, you will probably never meet because of, you know, because of proximity. But people do do come to Seattle and like take time to meet them for coffee and stuff like that. So, you know. So for those that are listening that say, you know what? All right, Terry, I'm sold. I want to leverage Instagram more more of as a blogging platform, what are just, you know, without giving away all the secrets of your book, but what are, what are, you know, one or two things you might be able to, um, you know, teach them or uh, advise them to do if they really want to get the most out of Instagram? Um, I think that when you're writing a post, um, you need to make sure that you're setting it up and inviting people in. And I would call it starting with a hook, you know, when you're writing something. So it gets their attention. Of course, you have to have a good visual, you know, or some kind of visual thing that will initially get their attention, but starting with the hook and then kind of um, telling, you know, explaining whatever it is, and then ending with an invitation for them to engage, like asking their opinion, asking them a question, 
asking for their advice, anything, you know, so, so they feel kind of compelled to jump in and share their experiences with you. So, and, and it's important to then interact with the comments that people make, because I think one of the sad mistakes is that a lot of people collect comments and they just kind of put a little heart by it and think they're done, you know, but that isn't really a, a great way to, to build a relationship with, you know, with your audience. The, the best way is to acknowledge that they took the time to read it and, and say something. And, um, and I feel like if you just, you know, those are kind of like the, the very basic parts of it. But if you were just to do those things alone, I think it would make a difference. Awesome. Terry Nakamura, thank you so much. Tell us the name of your book again, and where can people go to buy it as well as connect with you? Okay. So um, the book is called Blogging on Instagram, Engagement Writing on One of the World's Best Social Media Platforms. And, um, and you can find it on Amazon, but if you were to search blogging on Instagram book, just in general, it's going to come up, you know, and it'll, it'll offer a lot of different places where you can purchase it. It's a, an ebook, um, a paperback, and, and a hardbound book. Awesome. And then where can people find out more about you? Well, I'm basically all over the place. Aren't we all? <laughs> I know. It's, it's like crazy. But, but I, would, I would say that LinkedIn probably has, has a good amount of information about me. So, you know, LinkedIn would be a good place to start. I don't spend a lot of time there, though. I'm, I mean, you and a lot of people I know do, but I just haven't done that. So linkedin.com slash in slash Terry Nakamura. Right. And then I, I assume people can reach out to you on Instagram as well, right? Terry Nakamura. At Terry Nakamura on Twitter, Instagram, you know, all, all over the place. I've been able to keep the same, the same name. It is T-E-R-R-I, and it'll be in the show notes as well. But Terry, thank you so much for your time and sharing your story. It's very inspiring, and I hope that uh, people get a lot out of this interview. Okay. Thank you so much for having me. Wasn't that awesome? Terry is one of the nicest people that you'll ever meet. I really hope that you'll reach out to her. After we recorded that episode, we started communicating on Twitter, and she's getting lots of engagement for her tweets. If you view her Instagram, she gets a lot of engagement there as well. She's just a genuinely awesome person. And I hope that you'll reach out to her and you become a fan of hers like I am. Hey, did you know that in addition to this podcast, I have a website? In fact, I have two websites. I have podcast.neilshafer.com, which is where this podcast sits. It's I have all the show notes, I have all the transcripts. I have all the links. You can actually listen to all of my episodes there. If you're thinking of switching podcast apps, I have links to wherever you can find this podcast. So check that out. But I also have neilshafer.com that has a blog. The blog is building and getting close to having 500 unique blog posts, each one specifically designed to answer questions that you have about something that is related to digital or social media marketing. More importantly, on that website, I just launched a freebies page. So if you go to the menu, you're going to see something that says freebies. And if you go there, it's neilshafer.com slash freebies, F-R-E-E-B-I-E-S. You're going to see all of the free downloads that I have made available. I am continuing to increase these downloads, but it's where I have my free email marketing guide. It's where I have my 
digital and social media marketing tools guide. I review 50 different tools there, sort of like this definitive book that you should check out if you're thinking of switching or looking for a specific tool, and they're all categorized. I have my Maximizing LinkedIn for Business book, the 2022 edition, and I have a preview of The Age of Influence. Now, I continue to add, I'm currently working on a guest blogging for SEO ebook, which I can't wait to release in the near future. So check it out neilshafer.com slash freebies. Make sure you sign up. If you haven't signed up to my email list, well, by downloading a freebie, I will ask for your permission to send you communication and we can keep in touch there. But hey, that's it for another episode of the Your Digital Marketing Coach podcast. This is your digital marketing coach, Neil Schaefer, signing off. You've been listening to Your Digital Marketing Coach. Questions, comments, requests, links, go to podcast.neilshafer.com. Get the show notes to this and 200 plus podcast episodes at neilshafer.com to tap into the 400 plus blog posts that Neil has published to support your business. While you're there, check out Neil's digital first group coaching membership community. If you or your business needs a little helping hand, see you next time on your digital marketing coach.